All right, how's everybody doing? Yeah, man, this is, this is so, it's so great to have you guys in here. It, I, and I actually didn't expect this many people here. Um, as uh, Mike just shared with you, today is the first day that we have about 200 of our family who aren't with us for the first time as they're down at the Salt Lake Community College. And they are not having a service today, but they're doing their training. They're figuring out how to set everything up and, and just having a blast together. And, uh, and I just wanted to celebrate that. Uh, all week long, we got some pictures here. We've had four 25-foot trailers sitting outside our property. And then in here, all these seats were gone. And every trailer has about 15 cabinets in it uh, with everything that's used to set up and tear down for our new church setting. And so on Friday, I got to come in, and it was just a blast, you guys. It was so much fun to be putting all this stuff together, and uh, it's, it's actually genius. I mean, look at all those crates, and every single crate is specifically designed for each piece of equipment for our children's ministry and for the auditorium down there that we're going to be using for the connections. Um, it's actually, it's a genius setup, and one of the things that's really fun is the guy that put this uh, ministry together is called Portable Church Industries. I was actually on staff with him in Detroit when we planted our church, Kensington. And uh, he, he's the one who figured out how to do it with our church plant there. And then he's launched this national ministry, which has just been so fun. And so I just, uh, we just wanted to throw that up there. And it just would you guys be praying uh, for our team? And it's, this is it. The rubber's hitting the road, man. It's actually really happening. And we are really, really excited about that um, as we move forward. So new things are going on. And not only that, but how many of you have children who went back to school this week? All right, how many moms are like really excited that your kids are back in school? All right, there we go, exactly, excellent. Uh, We have a third grader, Mariah's in third grade now, which is just nuts to me. Ashlyn is in first, so she's moved into the full-time deal, and this week, Caleb actually gets out of the house twice a week in preschool, and that's when Susie actually, we're having a party. So, uh, it's great. No, but it was so funny. I think it was the uh, third day uh, of school, and Ashlyn came home, and she said, hey, mommy, uh, you know that one boy that's a friend of mine? And Susie goes, yeah. And she goes, well, this other girl told me that he has a crush on me. So I went and I told him, and she, Ashlyn actually went and grabbed the kid and t- pulled him aside and said, hey, do you have a crush on me? <laughs> I'm like, I love it, baby, you go. And, and he goes, no. And he goes, well, that girl over there said you have a crush on me. And the little boy goes, well, I don't. And if you quit saying that, I'm going to run away. And so he did. He wouldn't play with her. And he took off and he ran away from her. And, uh, and Susie said, well, honey, that, that's pretty sad that that, that kind of happened. And she goes, well, I don't care. I don't want a boy to have a crush on me. <laughs> and, um, and so then uh, Susie said, well, he probably doesn't. You know, I mean, girls just kind of talk about those things and talk about having crushes. And, and, and Ashley goes, no, he does. Because... Um, he follows me everywhere that I go, and his face is like this. <sighs> is that not hilarious? I'm like, you're in first grade, man. I thought I had like a 10 more years or something before this stuff started happening. Oh, my gosh. But on the other hand, can I say, I am geeked about my girl. Hey, you got a crush on me? I don't want nobody to have a crush on me. I'm like, you go, girl. <laughs> I can put away my shotgun. Everything's good. Oh, man. And then, but... Uh, Kids are so, I mean, aren't, aren't kids great? I mean, it's just so much fun. So Friday night, we went to an East High football game, and, and then we had a party for Julie Nans. I don't know if you guys know Julie or not, but uh, this week, Julie, she's been a part of our family since the beginning, 
And uh, this week, she's taken a year-long stint with Campus Crusade uh, overseas. And she, so we were saying goodbye to her on Saturday night. And uh, so we were driving to the party, and, and the kids hear, hey, uh, you know, we said, where are we going? And we said, well, we're going to a party. And they're like, woo, party, pinatas, trampolines, you know, birthday cakes. And we're like, no, 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 this is an adult party. And they're like, oh. You know, and Ashlyn goes, but I'm a kid, and kids play stuff, and adults just talk stuff. <laughs> and, you know, and we're just starting to laugh, and then we hear them in the back, and they go, you know, kids are just way better than adults because they're so much more funner. You know, and we, we were just laughing. And then Mariah, because she's the tender one, she finally says, but mom, even though kids are better than adults, you're the most fun adults in the world. <laughs> and we're like, you bet you are. You know, that's awesome. But not when I'm anxious. <clears throat> not when I'm worrying about stuff. See, that's where kids and us are different, aren't they? I can't, you know, it's so fun just to watch them. And they do laugh more than we do. They seem to enjoy life more than most adults do. Um, it's just, it's, that's one of the blessings of having children is they can kind of give you the perspective of life because as soon as you're an adult, I, I know for me the R word, the word of responsibility that just gets loaded on you. Once you get married, then you have kids and you have a job and you have bills and, you know, just, it's, it's amazing what can happen. And before you know it, you're loaded down and you're not really living the life that you feel like you could be living. And then I would suggest to you that Jesus Christ wants you to live. And um, I know for us, too, it feels like that, even right now, launching this second campus. Because uh, when we launched the first one, when we moved out here from Michigan, you know, and started something, we didn't have anything to lose, right? I mean, we, we came out here, we're just going to give it a shot and see what happens. Five years later, we got a lot to lose, right? I mean, there's a whole lot more at stake when you're putting this thing in here. And when we launch, we talk about being, you know, having a, being on an adventure with God and being on this roller coaster ride. And I've been telling people lately, I feel like I'm standing in line to get on a roller coaster and I'm going to have to wear some Depends, you know? I mean, <laughs> and I mean that in all anxiety, in truthfulness, because we are laying ourselves out there and you have no idea, right? Anybody else there in your own life? You have no idea if things are going to happen, if they're going to work. So how about you guys? Anybody in here ever worry? How many of anybody worry? Okay, good. Anybody who doesn't, we'll check your pulse and see if you're alive. It's, it's interesting because I think it to be human, if you care about anything, you have a great chance to and then be anxious about it. In this economy, many of you are worried about your money. You're, just, you're watching it dwindle away. Um, some of you are worried about your job. Just this week, I know one of my really good friends is being cut to halftime this week, you know, with his work. Um, you know, when you got to be the one to take care of your family and watch over things, that can cause a lot of anxiety. Um, relationships, man, we worry about our kids. We worry about our marriages. We worry about other family members, our friends. We got, you know, if, you, if you're in relationship, you probably have somebody that you can find yourself being anxious about. You know, just success or for failure, or some of you I know are worried about your health. Or someone that you know who's... I mean, it's just all around us, you guys. And so when we talk about this series, man, you need your, your world changed. You know, change your world. I just know that one of the things that we need to experience is when we're worrying and when we're anxious, we need to exchange that for God's peace. And that really is what he wants us to experience. So here's what we're going to do. And I really want you to do this for me, if you would. It's gonna, we're going to use it throughout the whole service. There's a three-by-five card uh, that was on your seat. So you're either sitting on it right now or maybe there's one next to you. <clears throat> and hopefully you got a pen or uh, someone you're sitting next to has a pen. And uh, I'm going to give you about 30 seconds because I know that you don't even have to think about this. 
And I want you to write down on that card what you're worried about right now. What are you worried about right now? When you think about your life, what's causing you to be anxious? Now, if you're in one of those mountaintop experiences, you know, where right now for some reason this is good, you're not worrying about anything, my guess would be that you generally have something that causes you to worry. And go ahead and write that one down if you don't have a specific thing right now. But you guys, seriously, because here's, here's my, and the reason I'm doing this is this. We say it all the time that, like, there's no reason for us, okay? And I mean this. There is no reason for us to be gathered here together today unless God is real and unless we actually have a chance to engage with him. There is no reason for us to meet in here unless you can walk in with your anxiety and walk out of here with a new hope and a new peace that you didn't have when you came in with. If he's not real, let's a beautiful day and let's all go home. If he's real, then he cares about the thing that you, want, that you need to write down. And I want to make sure that you're thinking about the very thing that's causing you anxiety as we talk through this whole message today. All right? So here's the deal. Everybody done that? I didn't, probably 30 seconds to write down. You can write it down as we're going through the service. And uh, here's what I'd like to do. I want to pray for you. One of the things you'll find in Scripture is it always tells us to go to God when you're anxious. If you cast your anxieties on Him, you know, don't be anxious about anything, but with everything, present your request to God with thanksgiving. So I am going to pray on your behalf, but I'm going to ask you, while I pray, would you, in your own heart, lay before God the thing that you wrote down on that piece of paper? And if it's too vulnerable for you to write it down, then the real thing that's causing you that anxiety, lay it before Him. And let's see if this God who says he loves you, is actually involved in your life, might touch that thing in your heart. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for every person in this room. There is no accident that they're here today. You are intimately involved with us, whether we are aware of it or not. And most of the time, we're not. But I want to worship you and thank you before we even begin with the fact that you love every person here, that you love me, that the things I'm concerned about, you're concerned about. And Lord, I want to ask in the name of Jesus Christ, on behalf of everybody in here, that you might go to the depth of each heart. And wherever there's anxiety, wherever there's worry, wherever there is not the fullness of the life that you want them to have, I'm asking that you, by your grace, would make yourself real and powerful and that we might leave this place so glad that we were here. And I pray for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I got to tell you, I, can I just say this too? This is one of those days where I'm really glad I get to go to church twice. twice. <laughs> you guys just wait for the worship today, man. It's incredible. All right, so here we go. What is worry? What is it when we're worrying about something? I thought about that, and there's a few things that hit me. When I'm worrying, one of the things I know is that I believe that things are larger than life. All of a sudden, they start to be huge to me. The possibilities of what might happen begin to overwhelm me. And, and I think that's what, really it, what, what worry is. All of a sudden, this could happen, and I start to think about it. I stew on it. It gets into my heart. It gets into my head. And next thing you know, it just starts to creep in and kind of rob my life away. And why do we worry? Why are you worrying about that thing that's on your piece of paper? I, I, I think of two reasons right now. The first would be, I bet you're worrying because it's out of your control. <laughs> See, because if you're in control, you're probably not too worried about it. 
But if you think that something that could happen that would not be your will and it's outside of you and somebody else could thwart that will of yours, you probably are worrying because you can't control it. And the other reason I think that we worry is because um, our minds create a potential outcome of the circumstances that just freak us out. (laughs) Anybody else brain work that way? I mean, as soon as there's something that happens, the reason that you worry is because you have come up with this unbelievable potential outcome that could happen that would be absolute disaster. Anybody else's brain work that way? See, now, isn't that weird? Why do we do that? Why, when one certain circumstance happens, does our mind go to the absolute worst possibility? But that's what we do. And when your mind does that, then we start to worry because we're freaked out. Well, you know what the answer is? Here's the answer for today, and then we'll talk about it. The answer is this. We need, really, to fear God more than we fear what's on your paper. Now, when I say we need to fear God, I wasn't going to use that term, but that's what the Scripture says. Because the Bible is not saying that you should be scared of God. That is the last thing that it's saying. When it talks about that you should fear God, what it means is you should see God as so awesome and so unbelievable and so majestic that when you look at him, the thing on your car just kind of just just falls away. And when you fear God, you guys, you worry less. I can tell you this right now. When you fear God, you worry less. You just do. I do. And you will too, and it's a possibility. So what we need is we need to see God as larger than life. We need to see God as the ultimate and final say on all things. You know what I thought of? When I'm worrying about something, I'm overwhelmed by the possible uh, negative things that could happen to me. And what I need to be is overwhelmed by God and not my stuff. I need to see him as the one who is in control and the one who is eternal and the one who sits already. Do you guys know this? God is eternal, which means there is no, he's not bound by time. This is, our human brains can't even comprehend this. But literally what that means is he's sitting there tomorrow waiting for you. He's already there. We gotta believe this about our God. You gotta get out of your little God box and start seeing the majestic, unbelievable God that he is. Now, We've been in Matthew 6. Um, we've been doing, going and see how Jesus wants to say, let's change your world, man, through Matthew 6 teaching. And uh, last week, we looked at the whole idea that we shouldn't have treasures on earth. He says, don't store up your treasures on earth, okay? Just don't do that. Store them up in heaven. Make sure that you have a really good eye, that you're focused on one thing and not many things, because if you get focused on many things, it just, it just messes up your life. And then the last thing he said is, make sure that you have one master, because if you got two, it is going to totally mess up your life. There's, oh, really, you can only serve one master, and that master is God. So then, what we're, where we're at today, that was, that was last week. In light of that, Jesus says, now, when you have one master, and it's God, and when you have one focus, and it's him, and when all of your treasures are in heaven, look what he says, Matthew 6, chapter 25. He goes, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. Isn't that easy? You know, Jesus said, hey, man, quit worrying. You know, don't worry. Be happy. You know, I mean, it's just like, that is, I mean, I love that song. It's a nice chilling thing. But man, when you're full of anxiety and Jesus comes up and he says, I just tell you, don't worry about your life. You know what's interesting? The greatest commandment in all of Scripture, right, is love God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. Love each other as you love yourself. But the greatest commandment in number 
In other words, the one that, they, that God has said the most in all of Scripture was, do not be afraid. And don't worry. Now, one of the coolest things for me in that is God must know us pretty well. Because <laughs> he knew, I'm going to have to say this a lot. Because I know you guys are going to freak out all the time. So let me just tell you over and over and over. Don't worry. Be happy. Don't be afraid. I'm with you. So, now let's dive into the passage and let's find out how Jesus Christ says that you and I can actually live without anxiety and worry in our life. Here we go. Verse 25, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. Hold on a second. I just want to make sure I'm on the right page here. All right. Do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? So the first thing you understand, what Jesus is doing here is he's talking about basic necessities initially. And so when Jesus taught, this is the Sermon on the Mount, right? This, you know, that means he's kind of up on the hills. He's in the hill country. And whenever you read people who understood that time period, they're saying most of the people that came to Jesus probably were poor. These probably were the things that they were actually thinking about. Am I actually going to have food? And my clothes are wearing out. Am I going to have the basic necessities for life? Now, as far as I can tell, everybody's got clothes on. So... So I think we're okay with that one in here. And probably, if you haven't had breakfast yet, you're going out for lunch or something. Now, we do have people who really, who still are struggling. That's why we're involved in our compassion ministries here at K2 to make sure that if somebody is struggling with clothes or with food, that they're going to have those needs met. But I just wanted to, guys, just know right now, most of you are not struggling in this room to eat or to have clothes. But you're struggling with your card. And I think what Jesus is saying is even the basic necessities of life I take care of. And, now, and let me show you something else. It's really cool. Let's go to the next verse, 26. Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. And yet I tell you that even Solomon in all of his splendor Uh, was dressed like one of these, was not dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Just a real side note, but it's kind of a neat little thing about the scripture. See, because this is hard, right? You're listening to me, Dave Nelson. You know, who's that? You're in some auditorium. Can you just, can we all just kind of like, you don't have to close your eyes, but can you go to your happy place and you know, but seriously, like in your mind's eye, and you, can you imagine, I've actually been there. How many have been to Israel? Anybody in here been to Israel? Okay, wow, just two or three of us. Man, it's an incredible experience. I've actually sat on these hills. It's, it's amazing when you're there. Can you imagine being one of this huge crowd, and you're sitting there, and you're listening to Jesus. He's, he's in the open air, and all of a sudden this bird <laughs> goes fly. And Jesus, he just captures, you know, he just captures, hey, think about that bird right there. That bird doesn't sow anything. He doesn't go and, you know, have his little plot of land where he farms for worms, you know. He doesn't labor. He doesn't do anything. And yet I make sure that he's fed. And and look at that field that you're sitting on. All you guys, you're sitting out on this grass. You'll see those wildflowers right there? What'd they do? He says, what? They didn't labor. They didn't spin, which, you know, back then if you were making clothes, you'd spin. He goes, in other words, what Jesus was trying to say is even birds who can't work for food and don't work for food and even flowers who don't labor or work to put anything on, I make sure they have everything that they need. You are so much more valuable than that and you have resources way beyond that. So chill, <laughs> just chill. 
I got you, all right? So that's what Jesus is trying to say to us. And then in verse 31, he says, So don't worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So let's dive into this passage, you guys. Why should you not worry? Why should I? In the midst of doing this campus, I'm telling you, every day for me in this last month, and I know it's true for all of our staff, almost every day something pops up with me to worry about. And then every day I have to get up in the morning and go, now I have to face this day. And every day, this is, I, I, I think I can say this with all honesty of Jesus, every day, he is meeting me and giving me the strength that I need. And he can do that for you. It's really, this is real stuff, okay? It's real stuff. So how do we not worry? I'm going to give you four things from this passage, right? So here's what Jesus says. The first reason why you shouldn't worry is because your worries are not grounded in reality, okay? Seriously, if you're a worrier, write this stuff down, man. Do not lose these things. One of the reasons you shouldn't worry is because your worries are not grounded in reality. Okay, let's look at verse 34. The very last verse there said, Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So in other words, don't worry today, worry tomorrow. (laughs) Right? No, that's not what he's saying. Um, What he's saying is this. Oh, Actually, you know what? I have an exercise I want you to do real quick. I, I, I missed this. Before I give, give you this point, look at your card. Grab your card real quick. Okay, this is, this is actually really, really important. Um, look at your card and what you wrote down about that you're worrying about. And now what I want you to do is I want you to think a little bit deeper. What is it that you think is going to happen that's making you worry about it so much? Okay? In other words, I'm worried about my finances, or, or I'm worried about my job. Okay, great. What you're worried about is that you're going to lose your job, but no, what you're really worried about is the results of losing your, you know, and you have this, again, what's your picture of disaster, in other words? Okay, seriously, I want you to think about it. I'm going to give you 30 seconds. I'm going to shut up, and I want you to write down on that card what the disaster is that you think might happen because of your present circumstances, Okay? Go ahead. This is, I'm serious. If you want to walk out of here and have something actually happen in your heart and not just do church stuff, think deeply about that question right there and write down your answer. What are you freaking out about and why? What's the disaster that you think could happen? Okay, this may be your, your eureka moment for today. What you just wrote down is not reality. 
It's not reality. What you wrote down is what might happen. What you wrote down is what could happen. In fact, you might have wrote down what probably is going to happen. But you got to use the word probably. You wrote down there's a really, 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 really good chance that's going to happen. <laughs> but you still have to use the word chance. When we worry, we are always worrying about something that is not reality. But it's possibility. And you know what Jesus is saying? He goes, man, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow's got enough problems of its own. You've got to worry about just right now, today. Stuff's going to happen today, and when it's happening, then you deal with it. Don't lose your life by getting caught up in all the stuff that might happen. Now, let me just say, it doesn't mean that it can't happen. It doesn't mean that it won't happen. <laughs> the thing you're thinking about very well might happen. Because he said, there's a lot of trouble in this world. I mean, that's one of the things I'm so grateful for the Bible. The Bible is so, if you've ever read it, it is so not the candy-coated, here's all the happy answers to life. Jesus says, I can tell you one thing, in this world you're going to have trouble. Okay, But deal with the trouble that you're in and not the stuff that you think might happen down the road because that's going to kill you if you do that. Does that make sense? So one of the reasons we shouldn't worry is because our worries are not grounded in reality. And this is so interesting. Years ago, I can't remember where I read this, but I was reading something about worry, and the guy said, think about, in all of your life, all the different things that you've worried about. And then he said, how many of those actually came true? Think about it for a second. Think about the stuff you really worried about. And then how many of those things actually came true? It's usually a very low percentage. And so the next thing you know, you guys, what happened is we end up wasting years of our life over things that actually never happened. <laughs> because you can do that. What you'll do is you'll sit there and you'll think about things that you worry about and it takes away hours or days or weeks or years of your life and then they actually never happen. So again, let's get grounded in some reality. And I love this. Uh, Max Lucado, who, he wrote this book, Traveling Light for Mothers. It's a, it's a devotional for moms. And he was just talking about, because moms are so compassionate and they, they care so deeply about different things. And he gave a couple examples. Like a mother could say, I don't know what I'll do if my husband dies. And Max's response was, you will, when the time comes. See, now you can sit there and stew about, what am I going to do when he dies? I don't know, you'll know when the time comes. And then another one is, well, when my children leave the house, I don't know if I can take it. And he says, well, it won't be easy, but strength will arrive when the time comes. So we can stew about it because you know it's going to eventually take place or you can believe that when the time comes, then the strength will come. And then he says this, and this is so interesting. Meet today's problems with today's strength. Don't start tackling tomorrow's problems until tomorrow. You don't, this is so true, you don't have tomorrow's strength yet. You simply have enough for today. When I read that, man, boom, light clicked on for me personally. You know why? Because I ran across another quote that says this. It is often said that we are continually being crucified between two thieves, the regrets of yesterday and the worries about tomorrow. <laughs> Anybody relate? I mean, so much of our life, you wake up in the morning, you're like, oh. You look at yesterday and you just go, that day st- 
stunk, man. I can't believe I didn't do it. I, I, I just know I can, sometimes I put my head in the, on my pillow at night and I know I just didn't live well. I was mean to my kids. I wasn't, I was selfish with my wife. I, just whatever. I've got all that stuff and you go to bed and you wake up the next morning and you go, oh man, look how I screwed everything up. And then you, oh great. And then tomorrow's coming and you just, and you've read about that and you just, you're crucified between these two. And what Max Licata was saying is like, dude, chill for a second. And I know for me, this is so key. And I've been, this is in the last, I would say, two months, I feel like God is really pounding this home for me. And it's working. You gotta sell, tell yourself three things. I can't change yesterday. It happened. I screwed up. I fell through. I was an idiot. You name it. You were lazy. You didn't get the job done. You, whatever. I can't change yesterday. Number two, I can't control tomorrow. Can't do it, but I can be faithful today. I'm telling you guys, it's changing my life. Can't change yesterday. Got to give that one to God. Got to ask for his grace. Got to ask for his mercy, maybe from another person. I can't control tomorrow. It's not my job. I'm a human being. I walk by time. But when I wake up in the morning, the one thing I can do is I can wake up and go, his mercies are new today. And I can be faithful today. And that's the only thing that I can control. Does that make sense? I'm telling you guys, part of it for you right there, you just got to understand that and you got to grab that. Don't worry because your worries are not grounded in reality. Just deal with the stuff that you're dealing with today. All right? So that's the first one. Secondly, Jesus says, don't worry because worry doesn't change anything. (laughs) It's not actually very helpful. Look at verse 27. This is, a, this is a great verse. The God who created us, you know, Jesus looks at us and he says, who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? In other words, how, how's that worrying doing for you? You know, is that working? You know, is that just, man, man, if I worry just a little bit more, it's going to be awesome. This will be great. Everything will just change. Worrying doesn't do squat for you. You know what worrying does? Here's what worrying does for you. Worrying makes you preoccupied with yourself. That's what it does. It makes you preoccupied with yourself. Now, can I just ask you, when you're preoccupied with yourself, how are good are you in relationship with other people? I tell you, you know what worrying does? Worrying, because when I'm worried about stuff, if I come home with a weight of K2 on my shoulder, you know, I do not walk through the door and go, hey, kids, sup, honey, you know. No, man, I walk in with the weight of K2 on my shoulders. Daddy, let's play tackle. No, I can't do that right now. Honey, can you? No, I don't know, man. I mean, you get preoccupied with yourself and it messes up all your relationships. You know what else happens? When you're preoccupied with yourself and all of your worries, how good are you at your job? I'm not very good at it. See, because I'm trying to focus on my job or to do the task at hand, but I can't help it because something else keeps grabbing my thoughts and pulling me away. See, that's why in the Bible, when it says, don't be anxious about anything in Philippians 4, but in everything, present your request to God with thanksgiving, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart, guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. You guys, when you're worried, your heart and your mind get consumed in the thing that you're worried about, and you get so preoccupied with how it's going to affect you, you can't be in good relationship, and you can't even be a productive person in society. That's what worry does for you. (laughs) Does it produce stuff? Absolutely. It's just never good. Look what else it does. It steals your peace and your joy. It robs your sleep. Anybody else? 
have trouble uh, sleeping, you know? I'm one of those guys, I got my dad's gene, it's awesome. Susie hates me. Because as soon as we go to bed, my pillow hits, my head hits the pillow and I'm out. Anybody else? It's awesome, man. You know, halfway, you know, we're in conversation and I'm gone. You know, and she just, it happens all the time, but not when I'm worried. When I'm anxious, I wake up on the hour. All the time. And then I wake up early. I try to lay in bed. It's, I'm telling you, it robs your sleep, which then I just realize, man, I am no good when my body doesn't have the physical energy that it needs. And then you know what else it does? It moves you to your vices. Hey, anybody, anybody want to just say, when you're hungry, do anybody else eat more? Anybody else want to join me on that one? I mean, when I'm anxious about stuff and I don't have, you know, whew, this feels good. You know, I know people who struggle with smoking and they try to quit and they're doing a great job and then life will get stressful, and they just, they've got to. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Some of you, it's your drugs, and it's alcohol. It's the stuff that you know is destroying your life, and when you worry, it drives you to it. Okay. Can we talk about how serious this is? It's destroying your relationships. It keeps you be, from being a fully productive member of society. It takes your, steals your joy and your peace. It robs you of your sleep. It moves you into, the device, into your vices that eventually ruin your life as well. Who do you think this is from? Jesus said, do you know you have a spiritual enemy? Did you know? And he called him a thief, which is really interesting. And he comes to steal and rob, to steal and kill, excuse me, and to destroy. And what you and I need to understand is when we start totally falling into anxiety and worry, it is not just you and your struggle, but there's a spiritual enemy who's saying, the last thing I want is for you to live. So why shouldn't we worry? You guys, and I, and I know this doesn't help to be honest. You go, hey, just stop worrying. You know, it's not good for you. Okay, thanks, you know, appreciate the help. But I'm telling you, at the same time, if you can, when you're worrying, remember, this is killing me. This is not acceptable anymore, okay? And now we'll go to what really needs to happen, okay? Jesus says, don't worry, because it's not based on reality. Don't worry. All it's producing is it's destroying your life. And then here's the third reason why you shouldn't worry. Let's get to the good stuff. Because God is your father. Because God is your father. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ today, then he says, you have been born of my spirit and you are now a child of God. You're in my family and I am your father. Two verses where he hits this in this passage. Verse 26 is where he says, look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns and yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Verse 32, he says, For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. For those of you with young kids, when your kids start to wig out, where do they run? Right here. Yeah, to mom, actually. What am I thinking? Not me. They run to mom, right? Is that, that actually really ticks me off, you know? I, I, seriously, I have been like this, and they've gone right through my arms to mom, you know? Um, so maybe this isn't a good example, but, uh, but no, but I, I just like in the middle of the night, if they wake up, man, they run and they hop in our bed. 
Why? Think about this. Because they need someone that is more overwhelming than the thing that they're wigged out about. Because they need someone who can actually make a difference. And because they need someone who they know loves them and will care for them in that moment. And guess what? So do you. So do I. I need to know there's someone who can overwhelm the thing that's overwhelming me. I need to know that there's somebody who can actually make a difference. And that there's somebody who cares about me and loves me. And is crazy about me because if nobody else is going to care about me, then I'm caring about myself. Right? That's, I'm going to survive. So I need to know that somebody else does. And what's so interesting here, so Jesus uses this word pagans, which is kind of a really strong word. But basically a pagan was just anybody who was outside of the family of God who weren't a part of the people of God. Now, see, that makes sense. So Jesus says, these guys run after those things. Well, they need to run after them because if there isn't a God who's actually going to care for you and watch over you and provide for you, and if he doesn't exist, then it's up to you. (laughs) Good luck, is what Jesus is basically saying. Now, you guys can run after those things and try to get these things, but there's someone who's greater than that. And so I was just thinking of some examples for me as a father, okay? Um, In verse 26, he says, Look at the birds, you guys, and, and, and they're not sowing and reaping. And then he said what? Are they not much more, are you, excuse me, are you not much more valuable than they? I'm your father. Can I just say that? I mean, I look out here, first service, second service. I see so many of you out there that I dearly love. Most of you I don't know, but there's some of you sitting in here. I really love you. But I, can I just tell you, you don't even come close to my kids. Not even close. I'd abandon you in a second if it was between you and my kids. They're mine, baby. It's weird to me, actually, because I wasn't a dad that was like geek to have kids when I was younger. But man, when Mariah came out, I couldn't believe. Like, I actually felt, I felt in love with her. It was kind of weird, actually. Like, I thought that was just for her mom. But the emotion of a dad loves his kids. And see, now here's our problem is most of us sitting here today and we don't think God feels about us that way. You don't think he's that crazy about you. And he says, do you have any idea how valuable you are to me? Now, I know for some of you, when you think about a father, your father wasn't that person. He, he wasn't caring. Maybe he didn't provide. Maybe, God forbid, he was even abusive towards you. And so you hear father and it's tough to hear. But you guys, don't look at your earthly father. Look at your heavenly father who's perfect and holy and righteous and good. He loves you. He can do nothing else, okay? So that's the first thing. And now as a dad, I get it. To think that God could love me as much as I love my kids, I'll be honest with you, it's hard for me. I'm there. Here's the second thing, though. In verse 32, he says, your heavenly father knows that you need them. So why are you worrying about this stuff? Because your, your father knows that you need them. Every good parent makes sure that your kids have your basic needs met, right? I mean, right? How many of you dads and moms out there, you're working because you want to make sure your kids have their basic needs met? And not only that, but I actually love to shower my kids with blessings. I just do, man. I mean, you know, Caleb had this horrific dental experience, which don't you just stink when you're four and your kid's first dental experience was hell? I mean, how many of you hate the dentist anyway? You know, this kid's going to be like so freaked out. They actually had to put him under you know, and do like surgical stuff to yank out his teeth and everything. I'm like, oh, geez. So what do I do? I drive home from work, man. I can't not stop at Walgreens even and just get the kid a big, huge lollipop, you know, and then, and then get him a, a sword, you know, so he can know that he's tough, 
because, man, you rock, Caleb, you know, and I just, I came home and I just wanted to shower blessing on my kid. That's what I do. And God says to you guys, you, you're, you're, a, you're an idiot, Dad, he says, and you even know how to give good gifts to your kids. How much more do I? And then, but here's the other thing, but I don't give them everything they want, right? Because if you do that, you're a really bad parent. If you give your kids everything they want, because what they want isn't always what's best for them. But now can I just take it to God? But how many of us, when God doesn't give us what we want, we moan and cry and whine just like your kids? And I just want you to help you to stop and think about your Heavenly Father who's up there saying, hey, listen, you are so valuable to me. And I'm going to make sure you have everything you need. And I know you live in America and you don't even know, understand what need means. But I'm going to make sure you have everything you need. <clears throat> and I'm even going to bless you because I just love to do that. But I am not going to give you everything you want because <laughs> I actually love you. And so when we get anxious about things, we have to remember that your heavenly Father knows what you need. Not necessarily everything you want. And then the last thing he says, the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, in verse 30, will he not much more clothe you? In other words, grass at that time was just pretty much bailed up like hay, except they, they tie it all together and then they throw it into the furnace and use it for fire. That's just what it was for. And so they're all sitting on the grass and he's looking at them again saying, that stuff you're sitting on, man, that's just going to be burned up and thrown away. It's just not eternal, but you are. See, we have a Father who's heavenly again, you guys. We have a God who's so concerned about your whole life. I prayed with a guy after the first service, and one of the things, I, it was so cool to pray for him because he's got some massive things right now, but I understand from God's word to me about my life and your life is that what's going on right now, God is actually concerned about, but he's also concerned about how it's going to affect everything down the road, and he's the only one who knows. See, I need to know that when stuff doesn't make sense and God's not doing what I want him to do. I need to remember that he's a heavenly father who's thinking about eternity. So Jesus says, you guys, can I just, I, I, I created you. I know you. I understand this. Do not worry about your life. You have a heavenly father who's crazy about you, whose, va whose value you are to him, you'll never probably comprehend and he knows what you need, and he's only going to give you what's best for you, so you're not going to get everything you want, and I'm working for the eternal nature of your being to take you eventually into heaven with me, and then you're going to get it. And Joe, just chill. Just chill, okay? Number four, do not worry. Your worries aren't in reality. Your worries are producing stuff that's destroying your life. Don't worry. You have a heavenly father, and don't worry. Your dad is the king. Don't worry. Your dad is the king. And I'm just going to be honest with you, this is the one that helps me more than any others. It's so awesome. One of the most classic verses in all of Scripture, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Seek first his kingdom and all his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. See, what I need to remember, you guys, more than anything else, is this God who loves me is also the king of the earth. Write down Psalm 47. I don't have time to read it right now. Write down Psalm 47. Last time I read that, it's just awesome. He's the king of all the earth. Man, Jesus, and, and then in, in Revelation, when it talks about Jesus Christ, what, he's, what is he called? He's called the king of kings and the lord of lords. In other words, are there lords out there? Yes, and I'm the lord of them. Are there kings out there who are messing everything up, even in the spiritual realms and also like your bosses and stuff? Yes. And I'm the king of those kings. 
See, I'm telling you, for me, when I'm sitting there and I wake up in the morning and I'm freaking out about my life, I got to believe that the dad who loves me is the king over everything and that he's for me and not against me. And then this great verse, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 20 says, when God exerted the energy and the power that he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and he seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, which is the position of power, Jesus Christ, he says he is far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. You guys, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, he is the shepherd over your life, and he is over every power and authority in heaven and on earth, the ones that are now and the ones that are to come. Okay, I'm telling you, either this stuff is true or it's not And I know for me, when I wake up in the morning and I'm shaking in my boots because everything feels like it could just fall apart in a second, I have to remind me of these things right here. Chill, Nelson. You have a Father in heaven who loves you. And he's king over all the earth. There is no power in heaven or on earth that can come against you because I'm your dad. Mess with my kid mess with my kid can you feel it dads somebody messes with your kid you feel it moms mama bears <laughs> you sweet little cute things with big fangs mess with your kid you're all over it you mess with me we have a king and he's our dad you guys this is critical This is why we worship him, because our minds forget that. In in a few minutes, you're going to have an amazing worship experience. And it's going to give you a chance to exchange everything, all your fears, and to remember who he is. It's why we have to be with him. I can't beg you to be with him. It's why I need him every morning. He speaks to me personally every morning through this thing. And if you're not receiving his words of affirmation and encouragement and love, you're missing it. Don't miss it. He's changing my day. Can I be honest with you? I told Susie just a couple days ago, I'm not even on this kind of a roller coaster. I feel like I'm on this one. I, don't, I know they don't even exist because it'd be too crazy. That's what it feels like for me. I feel like every day now, it's so intense to do this campus that every day something happens where it feels like it's going to fall apart. And then the next day I wake up in the morning and, he, and I'll not, halfway, I'm halfway through my day and all of a sudden I realize I'm full of joy and strength and hope. God is real, and he can change your world. He changes mine on a daily basis. We need him. You guys, I need to know he's more awesome than anything I face. He's more loving than I can imagine, and I need to know that I'm a child of the king, and so do you. That's who he is. Now, let me just close with this. What do we do? So what do we do with this? Well, Jesus said... You have to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And then everything else will be added unto you. Let me teach those and flip them around. You guys, you need to seek his righteousness. In other words, what does that mean? What it means is you need to seek to be rightly related to God. That's why we need Jesus Christ. If you don't have Jesus Christ in your life today, According to the revelation in the Bible, if you don't have Jesus Christ in your life, then you are not rightly related.
to God. The only way you can get your sins forgiven so that you can be back into a right relationship with God is to have Jesus Christ's sacrifice on your behalf take effect. If God feels far away from you and Jesus isn't residing in your heart, then I'm telling you, I'm telling you, if you'll receive Christ into your life, then he he will begin to give you the peace that you need. See, the strength for each day is him. Ephesians 3 talks about how the Holy Spirit will strengthen you with power in your inner being so that Christ will dwell by faith. I pray for that every day. I need you to strengthen me with power to give me what I need for today. And you guys, that's also what it means to seek first his righteousness is then Jesus inside you starts to move you. He starts to lead you. He starts to ask you to do things and every time you follow him, it's right. And then he says this. And you got to seek first the kingdom of God. What that means is this. You need to seek first, more than anything else, the reign of God. You've got to want his control of your life more than you want your own control. And can I just tell you right now, if you're an anxious person, I know one thing that's true, because it's true of me. When I'm wigging out, it's because I am not in control of my life. Did you know you were never supposed to be? You have a perfect, holy king who's your father who says, let me be in control of your life. And if today you could take what's on that white piece of paper and just put your hands up while we worship today and go, okay, I surrender, man. I'm telling you, it really is. When you surrender the control to God, then you have peace. And here's the final story. Four years ago, Susie and I had to take Mariah to uh, New York City for a surgery. And for those of you who don't know, my, my daughter was born with a, a, a pretty massive birthmark on her face. And, um, and, it, and it was gonna, she was going to lose sight in her eye, and so we had to do all this major stuff to inhibit that from happening, which worked, thank God. But it caused lots of scarring on her face. So we've been working just to kind of take care of that. <clears throat> Man, not supposed to get emotional twice. But I remember as we were preparing to take her to the surgery, I couldn't, I couldn't find peace. I was so anxious, and I worried, and I worried, and I worried. Here's why I worried, because they told us that this is one of the most painful things that a kid can go through, because literally they burn the skin off the, the, the face, and then three times a day, we have to hold her down, <laughs> pin her down, because it hurts so much, and then rub and clean out that wound, and they just scream bloody murder. So I'm just sitting there. First of all, I'm worried about just the pain she's going to have to go through. But then my biggest fear was, what is she going to think of her dad? Dad's the one who causes the pain, you know. I just, whew. I'm like, man, I'm going to wound her for life, you know. And it was so high, and I just couldn't get over it. And here's the worst part. In our, in our, home, our life together group at our house, we're doing Philippians chapter 4. 
Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, present your request to God in the peace of God which transcends all understanding and guards your heart and your mind. I'm like, this is, yeah, let's study that. It doesn't work, but let's study it anyway. You ever read the Bible like that? You know, when you sit there and you go, what's up with this thing? And it was so hard because I couldn't get it to work. I can quote it pretty well, huh? I know it inside and out. It's not taking any effect. See, that doesn't work for me. I don't know about you. Going to church and, and not having it make any difference doesn't work for me. So finally, I, I got honest with God, which is something you got to do, which I'm learning over and over again. And I sat in my stupid red chair in our living room and I said, okay, God, what is up? Because I can't get to the peace. Do you guys know when the Holy Spirit lives inside you, God will speak to you? And he simply told me this, David, it's because you don't trust me. You don't trust me. And you know what? I was like, you're right. I learned something that day. It is harder to give up my child's life than it is to give up my own. I could trust God with my life. I couldn't trust Mariah's life to God. And when I realized that my issue, when, I, when you will realize that the issue on your card is that you don't believe he's a father who loves you and you're struggling to believe that he's the king and you don't trust him, then the peace won't be there. And so this is when you ask him to help you to believe. Or like the guy said, I believe, help my unbelief. You guys, I finally laid it before God and I surrendered my daughter. You guys, you ever, ever had to surrender to God? It's only in your will, but it's very real. And I surrendered my daughter to God and our relationship. You know what's so weird? That afternoon somebody said, hey man, so how are you feeling about the surgery? And I'm like, I'm not worried. I mean, seriously, I, I don't remember who I was meeting with, but I seriously, oh my gosh, I have been so anxious for months and I'm not worried right now. You guys, the peace of God can enter into your heart and take over, but it comes when you seek first his control of your life and you let him have it because he's your father and he's crazy about you. So band, come on up and here's what we're going to do. We're going to give you a song to help you to meditate on the peace that God wants to offer you. And while you have this song, you're going to take communion. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you can take communion. And the reason we're doing this is because Jesus said, you guys, I know you. You're going to so forget that I love you. You're going to so doubt that I really care about your life. So on a regular basis... You need to take my body and remember that I broke this for you. You need to take my body and remember that I love you more than I love me. I would actually die for you. You need to take this to remember that your father is crazy about you. So take it and remember that. And then you need to take my blood and remember that you are right with me. Not because of you, you're a screw-up. That's why I came. But because of my blood shed for you, you are now right with me and you have everything you need. So when you take communion, you're not going to come up either. We want to serve you this. You need to receive this from God today. Receive his love through his body broken for you and through his blood shed for you. And while you're taking it into your being, and you can do it whenever you want during this song.
remember that he is for you and that he is in control of all things, including your issue. God, right now, I pray in these next 20 minutes that you would come and minister your grace and your power and your life-changing love in the heart of every person in this room who was anxious when they came in, but who's going to receive your peace before they go out. And I ask for it in Jesus' name.